Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. Your sitter. Wow. Uh, as long as they're fans on this point, that's all I care about. So the Warrior fans can be here, the Celtic fans can be here, Laker fans can be here. But take that L on the way out. Jokic. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I'm your host, Second Gush with DenverStiffs.com. You guys are listening to the Denver Stiffs Podcast channel on the SB Nation Podcast Network. It is Tuesday morning after a tough, tough loss for the Denver Nuggets. They fall last night to the Detroit Pistons in rather ugly fashion. Um, 129-103 was never really close. This is, of course, coming off of what was a really good week for the Nuggets, right? They uh, they were on a winning streak. They got a big win against the Houston Rockets, finally. Uh, followed that up with a, a tough win in what should be a schedule loss uh, in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. And had it, what was it, I think four games in a row they were winning. So uh, it was looking good. Of course, the bummer last night. Uh, and that kind of ends it as the Nuggets still have two more games now on this road trip before they wrap it up before having two more uh, right before the uh, All-Star break. So uh, that's what we are going to get into all of that, as well as trade deadline is just two days away. It's kind of crazy. It's pretty quiet on the Nuggets end, but uh, some trades heating up. Uh, and trade chatter heating up, so we'll talk on that briefly as well. And to talk about all of it, I have with me the social media guru of Denver Stiffs and host <laughs> of The Dig. It is Jeremy Poli. What's up, Jeremy? Not much. I, I love the term guru. That just always makes me think of – it was a movie I didn't even see, but with uh, – Mike Myers? Oh, what's his name? Yeah, Michael Myers. <laughs> I was going to say Michael Michaels. <laughs> Like yeah, I just picturing like me myself with a huge long mustache, like levitating or something like that. I could, you know, which is exact. That's exactly the social media magic. That's how that's it works. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You should uh, you should pitch that to your wife. Tell her you're going to start growing a uh, giant handlebar mustache that just oh, goes. All she's actually a fan. She's the one asking <laughs> me. I do grow a pretty hefty, uh, specifically handlebar mustache. It's it always happens out of a joke or something. You know, back when when. Uh, no shave November was first right. uh, going on, but uh, I can't take myself seriously <laughs> in the thing. So how can I expect my wife to, even though she swears she will? That's that's a fair point. I got a guy who uh, who works for me in my in my other life, and he uh, he's he's one of my best guys, but he's got this giant handlebar mustache, and sometimes I'm like, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like quick. We need a serious opinion, and you don't turn to the guy with the handlebar mustache, even though he's definitely the one we want to know. <laughs> yeah. uh, they don't know that. All they know is, is they're not sure if you're an electrician or some guy who just right I seventy. So. Yeah, if if I can drop in a bit of an, it's not even an opinion. Um, I believe the winning streak was set six games for the Nuggets, six so it, it felt even heftier to me. Like the ball was really rolling. And this game uh, definitely put a, a strong stop to that. That is right. Yeah, you're right. Six in a row there, starting all the way back with that Phoenix game. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it was all kind of like it was like that that wake of the Warriors game, where it's like, okay, you beat the snot out of us, but we're still one of the best teams in the league, and we're still just going to be behind you every step of the way, right, right? To the point that it got Malone, you know, 
uh, an All Star Game uh, appearance. So, <laughs> which is exactly what Steve Kerr wanted when they when he was here in Denver when they uh, the Nuggets got that shellacking. He even referenced it then. You know, like uh, he was like, if we play this right. Uh, the Nuggets will still be in first place when it comes time for the All-Star game. We don't have to go. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like, I, I, it's okay to have that opinion, especially among your staff. You know each other and you know what you want. But don't, don't be up in there in your ivory tower and act like, you know, all these great awards and, and accolades are completely meaningless and you'd rather be, you know, out boating or fishing or something like that. I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, like, the, considering the accolade, like, coaching the All-Star game, I can get, like, I get how that's, like, really cool for Coach Malone because it's his first time, but, like, after you've done it, especially Steve Kerr, who's done it, like, multiple times, like, I get how he's been, like, because, like, there's no actual coaching that goes on in this game. There's no, like, it mm-hmm. serves no benefit, so, like, what does he want to He's like, I don't want to go out there and, you know, basically, instead of getting a week off, I got to go. You know, which is why I'm I'm cool with it from like a personal standpoint, but from a public standpoint, like if you've won the Oscar for best director four years in a row, and then you're announcing it for somebody else, and they win instead of you, you don't just like pass it off to them and be like, yeah, I won four of these, I didn't even want this one anyway, and then you give it to them. Like, what's that mean for the person accepting it? Like, oh, this award is is less meaningful now. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm such a, a a homer for Malone winning it that I don't want any sort of possible negativity around it whatsoever. Fair enough. Well, at least on the positive way, he got in there, right? He got in there um, the right way. I mean, the Warriors the right. Warriors won that night as well, but uh, with the Nuggets winning, they get the tiebreak uh, on it for, I can't, I've heard different, I, I'm not sure, the tiebreak used to be whichever coach hadn't, you know, was the least recent uh, to coach the All-Star game, which of course would be Malone because he's never coached it. Um, yeah, I think that's why, he um, but I've also heard it was division records. I don't know. There's a lot of math you have to go through to get there, but in the end, it's just an arm wrestling match. <laughs> yes. Stallone style. I would, and, uh, uh, I would take Malone. I would take Malone. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, in a heartbeat. Steve Kerr. He's a tough dude. Steve <laughs> Kerr's got a bad back, man. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are way off track. Uh, six minutes way in. off track. Uh, so let's get let's get back into the winning streaks. I, I really want to talk about the Houston game in particular because I think it's such a big win. The Nuggets finally getting over the hump against Houston. The interesting thing too is Houston really basically still did a lot of what they wanted to do. Uh, Harden, of course, gets his thirty points, even though he was stat hunting there at the end. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Fareed was the beneficiary of many pick and rolls and you know easy dump offs near the hoop, just like Clint Capella has been. Uh, many times, but the Nuggets still overall, I mean, basically controlled that game from the second quarter on when they had that crazy, uh, crazy 48 point second quarter, pretty much blew, blew the doors off of, uh, uh, off of Houston. I mean, Jeremy, is that, is that basically the recipe for, for the Nuggets to beat, beat Houston? Is they're just going to have to flat out outscore them like that? I, I, it's hard for me to say uh recipe, like, like we figured it out, we know what it is. Let's just cook it up next Let's time. Just like that, score forty-eight points it, a quarter, no problem. Right. <laughs> it implies that it's like duplicatable. Right. Like you, you just add this to this, and you end up with this. And I think it's it's a whole lot different than that. Um, it, it kind of actually reminds me of of it's kind of like the opposite viewpoint um, or narrative that we've had with the Warriors, where um, we've felt for maybe even a few seasons now that. Our matching up against them is actually not as scary as 
a lot of teams match up with the Warriors are. And then sure enough, we get this game where we get completely schooled by them. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, maybe they are better. Right. Maybe as much as the matchup is still kind of nice, they're better. Um, it, it, this kind of feels like the opposite of that. That's my takeaway is before we felt like Houston would beat us seven out of seven games. There's nothing we can do about it. And and now the feeling that I have is, um, you know, I'm ready to see a series against them. I'm not scared of the series. I think we're it's far and away from a recipe where we just have their number. Um, but I'm I'm at the point where um, I think we know enough about how to go in there. We're not going to beat them when they're just shooting lights out. We're not going to beat them when they're getting every single call. Right. Of course, they're going to get a lot of calls. But um, but we know how to match up against them better. Um, and as much as it, it was a blast to see Fareed, actually, I, I'm a Fareed fan just from what the the – passive fans interest all, all i do is see him on the court and how he plays on the court you know you guys um i came in and freed's last year as a stiff and uh just got the tail end of what it's like to actually um see him and interact with him more personally and you guys i know you got that for a lot longer and so on a personal level it sounds like uh he's a lot less um enamorous to people but from from my perspective loving the nuggets as long as i have just watching him game in and game game out it's fun to watch him play and it was fun to watch him uh play well in that game as well but again he is a mere shadow to what Clint Capella actually does and especially I think on defense too so that's where I'm like you know it was great to see us win and it it gives me confidence um that we're we're better than I thought we were against them but you know going in there when they have Clint Capella healthy um that would be a real serious series, I think. Right. What about you? Well, yeah, because I think the argument, you know, you make on the counter is, well, you know, going in there, if you've got Gary Harris and Jamal Murray healthy, right? I mean, there was, uh, both teams were certainly not, not at full strength. Uh, you know, obviously you, you don't, expect Malik Beasley uh, as good as he has played. You don't expect him to score 35 points. Um, every game uh, that that's not uh that's not going to be sustainable and the other thing i think is you know harden he yes he got 30 points but he i think he had what like 18 in the first quarter so he really came out uh and and hurt denver early houston scored 43 points in that first quarter uh, and led by eight and and then after that he cooled off especially in the second half and that's and then that's how denver really you know they really ran away with it uh, like we said from there on out. So I think if you, you, you know, you don't necessarily expect him to shoot nine of 21, uh, again, and, and you don't necessarily expect him to shoot only nine free throws, like, um, kind of like you mentioned, you, you know, that Houston is going to get the calls. The thing though, that I did notice about this, this game in particular and, and the way the Nuggets defended is that that seemed to be their strategy with Harden was, they were content to basically give him the shot uh, and a lot of times give him the lane to the basket. They didn't offer, especially in that first quarter, didn't offer a lot of resistance. Um, but what they were not willing to give him uh, really was the foul, right? I, I think he had, uh-huh. I mean, he had, I think, maybe two two times he got fouled on a three-point shot. So I, he, I think maybe only had like four different actual trips Um to the free throw line at any one at any or during the actual game. So they, when you limit that, I think maybe maybe in some ways that is a is a small recipe uh, for how you 
uh, how you beat Houston. Now, that's obviously way easier said than done. You know, limit limit Harden's scoring to where he doesn't kill you, but also don't let him get to the free throw line. Uh, right, and I think um, I think kind of to the opposite of that, it's the second time I bring it up a completely converse point, is uh, the way they played Jokic last time. Um, well, I mean, it, it was, I think, more of an adjustment by Malone, but they were they were pressuring him at the top of the key a lot um, the last time we played them. And this time around, Jokic just, uh, he, he wasn't there as often. And it, and I think that has more to do with Malone adjusting rather than um, just them like laying off him and him finding his way to the block. But he, he found his way to the block a lot more in this game right. where he was able to, to set up either more post play that he was able to do, just eating Farid alive or something like that. Or sit, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, or, or setting up other guys. Um, I, as you pointed out, Malik Beasley, um, it was, I think we looked at, I think he was one point shy of Gary Harris's yeah. career high. Yep. And, and for that to be against the, the Houston Rockets is a really big deal. So, um, I mean, uh, great to see, but, um, the point being, it, it, it was interesting how, uh, how these small little things can affect the game so much right. um, as much as uh, the way we played Harden to as much as the way that they played Jokic. I mean, you make a small little, little change in both those things. And obviously those are the two biggest players um, on the court for, for that matchup. And that can really, really help quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was interesting kind of the way they tried to defend him a lot. I mean, they did take away a lot of the stuff he likes to do out at the perimeter um, just because with Tucker, especially on him, he definitely – it was a lot harder for him to put the ball on the floor. He did fine putting the ball on the floor mm-hmm. against Fareed. Uh, but anytime he had Tucker on him, he, he really took away his, his ability to drive to the basket. But they just still it, – it's kind of – it was like that was their plan and it just didn't work because he just ate him alive uh, down low instead. So that was a good good adjustment by the team overall in that one and a good good job by coach to have them uh, have that game plan going into it. They, of course, like I said, they follow this thing up with, with the win over Minnesota very next time. And that was a, that was a, when you look at the schedule, you had to think of that game as a schedule loss without a doubt. You have an eight o'clock tip off in, uh, in Denver against the Rockets. Then you immediately get on a plane, fly to Minnesota, lose an hour and have a seven o'clock tip off, um, which I guess would be eight o'clock local time. There, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> it's too hard to yeah. This is like a word problem <laughs> on a test. Uh, but um, you know, and then so they of course have that really short rest, getting really late, coming in and play Minnesota, a team who's uh, you know obviously on the outside looking in right now in the playoff picture, but in the West that that means a little something different. Still, it's still a very high quality team, uh, and and high quality players like Carl Anthony Towns who had a monster game. But the Nuggets, I mean, they they basically just got that one out uh, all the way to the end, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, they was uh, nobody really was scoring uh, uh, points. It was it was pretty much grinding it down to the very end. And then Jokic, of course, has the uh, the incredible pass to to oh yeah. Um, I guess I. We, we, when I look at that win, I think, I mean, I just think of it as a really just a gutsy kind of grind it out. Like, this is what really good teams win these type of games. Uh, what did you, I mean, and I think that was my biggest takeaway from it. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah, um, as much as you could easily sit back and find a million things to be critical of the Nuggets um, of for that game. Um, more than anything, if I, if I was to wrap up one one solid point about this game is that 
this is the type of game that they're able to put in their belt that come playoff time when they're down by 20 points or 25 points, they know what it means to stick it out, right. to continue to put 100% effort in, even though you're down by that much and it looks that far gone. Um, this this easily, this will come up into everybody's memory. Um, I think even, you know, this was a huge game for Monte Morris and Beasley and some of the reserves who stepped up. Um, this is going to be ingrained in their mind for, for years to come. I think, uh, and it, it's just it's turned into such an easy button for Malone to push, or one of the other guys to push that will instantly trigger in them the that feeling of yes, we can get back in the game. Right. And so you know it, it's it's funny it, going into the fourth quarter as a writer, you know there was a whole list of things that that you wanted to to write about what they were failing at and what they weren't doing right. Um, but by the end of it, it's just like none of that even mattered. And who, who's going to remember somebody not catching this assignment or somebody taking a bad shot or somebody, you know, not playing ball the way they're supposed to uh, compared to just the fact that they gritted this game out on the road against a team that they lost the most maybe uh, sore game of the year last right. season. You know, a, a game with so much importance and meaning behind it. And here they are in a very similar position, came down to the last possession and and they won it. That that kind of stuff means something. I I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that, that goes uh, goes a long way. That that mental aspect of it of because it was Minnesota and it was very similar fashion uh, to to the game that they lost, game eighty two last season, and, and how it like you said, it comes down to the very final moment. Uh, and, but this time. Uh, you know they they get it done they get it done with 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 Jokic and then and and then with defense uh, to to close it out. Whereas last year, obviously they 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 fumble the ball uh, out of bounds and lose it in overtime. So it was it was nice to see Jokic especially kind of. That's one of the things I thought was really symbolic about that pass was you know here's a guy who against this team in the situation last year uh, had a had a moment where hmm. it, it, he fumbled the ball away uh, and, and ended up losing losing the game. Uh, he comes right back. I mean, it just shows the fearlessness. I mean, he comes back with with less than a minute to go and chucks a three quarter uh, court pass <laughs> perfectly to to Malik Beasley to get to put the lead up to three. It was just just very very. I think almost like in that one play, kind of encapsulating the, the growth that this team has made um, in this season. And, and really, I think just the game as well, just the way they came, like you said, the way they, the, the confidence you have to get from the way that they were able to stick it out. Really, they've been doing it all week. Uh, you know, they've, they've, and maybe this isn't the best thing in the world, but they've, they've had quite a few games where, you know, they've, they've, it's been so, so in that first half. And then, uh, and then in the second half, they've been able to, uh, write the ship and, 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 and close teams out. Um, and to do it, like I said, in, in, in this fashion and against a game that was essentially a schedule loss with everything stacked against you, had to be it had to be uh, one of the best wins uh, for the season. It's obviously hard to pick just one, but certainly one of their best uh, so far. They uh, right, two of their best back to back. Say what? Two of the best. I thought yeah. the Houston one. I thought, man, what what else contends for the best best game of the season? And then, sure enough, they roll up with the Minnesota game. So yeah, right. Really good Nuggets ball right now to watch. Right, yeah. It was uh, it was a great. I mean, it, it was a great whole week. Really, last week with the uh, with the winning streak and the and getting all those put together. Then, of course, though, um, 
they throw up that stinker uh, against <laughs> uh, against Memphis. Before we let's see where where are we at in our rundown. Um, all right, let's let's get to this this Memphis game real quick, and then uh, and then we'll hit the break. Um, so not Memphis, uh, it's Detroit. <laughs> Some, okay. <laughs> some random team from over in that kind, like we can get, kind of area. get to that uh, just a little <laughs> further south uh the pistons game um uh nuggets of course do not do not get the win there that is the end of their winning streak they uh dropped the game to the pistons 129 103 we were saying before we came on that's just kind of one you flush down the toilet forget about it and move on i'm sure coach will not Look at it that way, and we'll be making sure to go over the film with his team quite a bit tomorrow. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. I think everybody's take that I've seen, and I would have to agree, is it, it, they just they just didn't have it. You know, like they 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 came in, right. they got down, and like we were saying, you know, they, they they've been able to come back and come back and and button things up in the second half. And and for all of that and all the confidence we thought they got tonight, they just uh, looked like they were. Um, just, just, just couldn't put it together uh, consistently enough to to get uh, to get anything going, and and then once they the lead kept getting bigger and bigger, you could just kind of see the shoulders slump, and and the, they started to see somewhat, somewhat go through the motions. I thought they also, you know, the, to in their defense, or if you want to call it excuse or whatever, but they were also incredibly shorthanded, obviously without uh, now three starters uh, once again with with Gary Harris, Jamal Murray. Uh, and and Paul Millsap all missing tonight's game. I mean, do you do you just is that basically uh, your takeaway as well, Jeremy? You kind of just you flush this one down the toilet and you you look at it as as I mean, well, I guess let me, let me ask you this. Coach said after the game, he said he thought they they gave in. Is it, would you think that's an accurate way to describe it? I think so, uh, and, and I think it actually starts with Jokic. Um, Jokic was was um, pushing. So, typical Jokic offense, but I thought out of anybody, it was Jokic who wasn't really delivering what he's supposed to. Um, 99% of the time we've seen it's, it's other people who, um, whether because of the, um, the personnel on the floor, whether or not able to spread it as well. And that tends to, to choke what Jokic can accomplish or um, guys just not hitting their shots. Um, in this, this time around, Jokic was slowing things up and, and, playing the half court ball that he does, but he, he wasn't quite finding the right people. He wasn't quite moving to the right position or taking the right shots. I thought, but it's, it's a little inconsequential um, to me because this is not a trend. Right. We're not seeing, you know, two weeks, three weeks right. of this going on. This was one game where Jokic just, you know, he, he dug down into what he had and it wasn't quite enough and he just didn't dig any further. Right. Um, and, you know, would this be the game that you want to to see that 25 point comeback or would you want that game to be in the Minnesota game against a rival not only um from from their division and conference but also from last season in that last game um to me that's the game where you want to test somebody's spirit um to really bring it back or or the collective nugget spirit um that's the game you want to see them come back for that means something to them um this game tonight you know, as much as you don't want to see a loss, those those things happen. And as you pointed out, Malone has plenty of film to show them things to point out, keep them humble, um, keep them working on things they need to. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you could have pointed out about tonight that didn't quite go right. Um, the because to me, none of them were trends. The the one negative takeaway I might have is dribble penetration 
was a big problem tonight. And that has been a problem for the Nuggets all season. Even when they're playing as one of the top defenses in the league, um, there's still, I'd say, one of the largest negatives is dribble penetration. And um, during a matchup against a team with, that's built like this roster, it really shows up. This is a game where these guys want to get in the paint and they want to they throw it down. And even though they hit a lot of threes tonight, I think even if you normalize that stat – and take some of those threes away, they're still in the lead. Yeah. They're still being the Nuggets, and they definitely shouldn't be. Yeah. So, um, so th- you know, that's something that uh, – that's a problem that they're going to have to deal with all season, e- even into the playoffs. Um, I just uh, – I don't see that much um, of a step being taken. But um, when you take into account that our entire backcourt was missing tonight, you know, that's the first barrier of defense. Um, in our case, you know, that's – Harris and uh, and Murray, and then when it makes it in from there, typically you have Millsap and Jokic in the paint, um, which can do a, a pretty decent job these days. But even with Millsap out tonight, you know that's just it's not um, the the guys who failed tonight at dribble penetration are not even necessarily the guys who you're really trying to make sure are improving. So there's not much that Jamal Murray can learn about tonight. There's not much that Gary Harris could take away from tonight. So um, it's just it's just another problem that we're very aware of, and you just move on. I I, I don't see much else to be gained from this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because you're absolutely right. They they really struggled to really stop anything uh, in terms of going to the basket. But as you said, I mean that that that's basically been the case for. Uh, several seasons now. I mean, that's when you look at the Nuggets and you look at this team, you say, "What's their biggest hole?" It's definitely perimeter defense. Uh, and then, and then without Paul Millsap in there, because you know Paul's not a not a rim protector, uh, right? But but he does cover up for a lot of the mistakes because he's got such great hands in the lane. Uh, he he tends to you know he tends to either get in there with with his hands and maybe create a turnover or he's got great positioning as well and he can either draw a foul uh, you know a charge or 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 just alter the person's shot with his body and he's such a, you know he's such a built so solidly that that he's not that's going the, anywhere. That's the best breakdown I have ever heard about Paul Millsap. <laughs> you just totally nailed yes. it. And you are concise and to the point. Yeah, to anybody listening right now who's ever possibly wondered uh, what Millsap brings to to the game, that is exactly it. There it is. Well, I think you know. What, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna. I'm gonna close on that high note right there. I think we'll we'll go ahead. And we go. We're gonna have to hit the break. You know, one thing I want to point out. Okay. If I yep, could yep. stop you from closing it on that high note and maybe take it down a little bit, <laughs> come um, in with a low light. It is. Uh, is. Uh, we we start seeing a little bit from their transition. Malone, you could even hear him um, yelling, get uh, having them push the ball up. They started forcing more transitional play, and they were starting to make some bas- baskets there towards the end of the third. It still didn't work out like in in the end, but um, that's something where I think uh, maybe kind of gets lost on on this generation, not generation, but this uh, season of Nuggets. Um, this rendition of the Nuggets, where so much is about the half court and and how Jokic is able to dominate it, um, transition offense t- is still a tool. Right. You know, it shouldn't be propped up like the main offense, but it's still a tool to be used, and that's something that I would like to see more of. Um, certainly, when when things aren't going your way, to be able to to 
turn on the the afterburners and get guys pushing um, can really do a lot. Um, so that was that was just one little note that that I noticed where I was like, oh yeah, like this is a good group, and and that's our entire roster. That's whether the starters are out there or whether our backups are out there. We have guys from top to bottom who can take advantage of uh, the chaos of of transition. So just something to to be aware of something to, to, to chew on uh, yeah while we hit this break because, <laughs> uh, we gotta get to the sponsors uh, <laughs> all right but we will be uh when we come back we'll go ahead we'll, we'll turn the page we'll look forward here uh nuggets got two more games on this road trip and then trade deadline on thursday so that's how we will close it up so stick with us we'll be right back all been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest that's when disaster strikes the last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business maybe your light suddenly won't turn on or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling heck maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new ac unit whatever your need may be give sun electrical a call They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Back into Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach Gosh, Jeremy Poli. We are with DenverStiffs.com. Spent the first half of the show breaking down everything that happened over the past week, the winning streak, and then the disappointing loss last night to the Detroit Pistons. We will now turn the page looking forward and two more games on this road trip for Denver. Uh, first, they got Brooklyn. Coming up on when did they got Brooklyn coming up? I, I had this up in front of me and now I lost it on Wednesday. So tomorrow, uh, they'll have Brooklyn and then they close it up Friday, uh, at Philadelphia at 76ers. Um, Jeremy, I mean, obviously, you want them to go 2 and 0 here and and close up the the four game road trip on you know with a winning record on the road trip, but uh, but I, I think do you if they go 2 and 2, do you take that? Oh uh, yeah, including the next one. Yeah, the um before the also okay, 
Um, well, just these four: Minnesota, Detroit, I, Brooklyn, Philly. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, I want more than that. <laughs> I was greedy. <laughs> January, I was uh, more reserved. Um, we did an over under on uh, ten wins, and I wanted to say ten wins, but since you can't choose that on over under, I actually wound up going with nine. And of course, they obliterated that with twelve wins. Um, I'm I'm gonna step up to the plate here. I want to see I want to see three and one on this, and Honestly, I could easily see them four and zero. That loss against the Pistons last night just did not resonate with me. Yeah. Um. And Brooklyn's a team that I completely underrated. Um. I thought they were they were one of the worst looking rosters to start this season, and and they've definitely proven me wrong. Um. So I I I need to give them more credit, but I I still think that we need to win there. And the 76ers, just because they're in this weird disarray right now. I feel like it's it's a time to take advantage of them, um, right? And, and there is a little bit of uh, some lingering injuries there between Embiid and Butler, um, but I will be there, front and center, not front, nice. and not quite center, <laughs> but I will be at that game. Jeremy's not quite um, that big of a baller. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as, as fat as his his paychecks from Denver Stiffs are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yes. Not quite um, that status. <laughs> um, which I was actually surprised last game I went to last season um, there was a pretty strong Denver Nuggets uh, group I wound up in like a whole group of them I was expecting to have my life threatened in that arena right um, and and I was surrounded by Nuggets fans it was yes. it was pretty good so looking forward to that but you know then from there uh, the the Kings um Wait, who's on the next road trip? Well, they're or, that, or, that's the end of the road trip, and then they got the two home games against uh, Miami and Sacramento. Oh, you're. Ta- I'm sorry, you're talking about the current. Yeah, one. the current. One. So <laughs> the past two that we went one and one. Okay, yeah. All right, all right. I'm, I'm caught up. I was, I was, yeah, I was gonna let you go with it. So, <laughs> yeah, let's see where this goes. I think we're gonna be eight and zero on this three game <laughs> yeah. road trip. Well, yeah, you mentioned um, you were like, well, I wanted to go four and zero, and I was like, well, yeah. uh, gonna be tough. Yeah, well. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, count me in for three and one. There you go. Count them in for three and one. So I, I you know, I, I, if, boy, I think two and two is, uh, probably where they're going to end up. I just, the Philly's going to, I think, want some revenge, uh, after, after Jokic and his monster triple double beat them. They'll be actually, you know, Embiid will be, uh, playing, which will, will make a difference. Jimmy Butler will likely be playing that. That should make a difference. Um, so it's it, and I don't know who's going to be playing for the Nuggets, in that game, so it, I true, you know, I, I just it's a tall task, I think, for them to be, win that game against Philly. I'd I'd love to see it happen, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And so then, you know, you got to get the win against Brooklyn uh, here tomorrow. But Brooklyn, like you said, is 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 a better team than uh, than maybe people give them credit for. Uh, Nuggets, of course, lost uh, to Brooklyn earlier in the season, and when they had that that four game losing streak, that was one of them at home. One of their home few home losses this season was to the Nets. So, uh, yeah, I, I it, it, they, you certainly hope they don't go one and three, obviously, and, and go on a three game skid here. But uh, it, it's not, I think, out of the realm of possibility because this this is not uh, an easy way to wrap up this road trip. And they've been playing a lot of games. You know, this is they played five. Uh, they've played five games in the last eight nights. Now they got two more in the next four. So it's. Uh, you, you can see how they're they maybe are are physically tired. They can see mm-hmm. the All Star break right in front exactly. of them. Exactly. You know, yes, they're they're maybe getting mentally tired. Um, I could see I can see how this could 
this could potentially go bad for them. So this this game tomorrow night against Brooklyn, uh, I think, is very very crucial. And then and then you know if you get that win and, and you lose to Philly, so be it. Come home, take care of business against two teams you should take care of business at uh, when you're at home with with the Heat and the Kings. Going to the All Star break and you're doing just fine. So a three and one though yep. would be nice. I would I would love to see these back to back wins, but. Um, I offer it to you freely. You offer it to me freely. If you only but take it from my hands, That's right. I offer it. Well, if they win against Philadelphia, then we'll know that you were the good luck charm. Uh, True. Because of your attendance. We'll give you all of the credit. <laughs> the sixth man award. That's right. That's right. It's going straight to Mr. Poli. All right. Tell you what. So um, we'll do this for our last segment here. The, the uh, trade deadline is, of course – right on the uh right on the doorstep i think it's thursday so just just about two days away i have been right now i'm watching uh adrian wojanowski uh, tweeting a bunch of stuff about uh, anthony davis and but the celtics saying you know they need to just hold out because they'll have a great deal for him uh this offseason ramona shelburne saying that the lakers are uh, starting to become increasingly pessimistic because they the conversations are very one-sided with new orleans uh let me ask you jeremy what do you think anthony davis getting dealt by thursday or no is he's going to stick with new orleans for the rest of the season uh, get, what a mess this has turned into i i don't think he does get dealt i and, and i'm just so I'm over it. I'm over him. Right. What a coward, this guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, like, you know, the, the talk before was I, I was a little pessimistic. The talk was, um, you know, that he kind of wanted to go to L.A. Mm-hmm. And then and then he comes out and he says, you know, he wants to be traded, but he wants to go to a competitor. That's all that he cares about. Right. And everybody, maybe it's the people I, I read and I listen to. Um, that seemed to work on a lot of people. Yeah. And and we had a lot of people in the media saying, this is a guy that wants to go where where he can compete. And then what does he do? He puts out a list with the Knicks and and the Lakers. Like, And sure, Mil- he throws Milwaukee in there and the Clippers barely hanging on. How many teams in the West are better than the Clippers? There's a whole list of them. Right. Half of the teams. In- so if you add up, I'm not going to do the math, but if you add up the wins and losses, this is not a list of team of competitive teams. This guy is – he's such a hack to me. I, I have lost so much respect for him, and I'm so done. I am over it. I am out. Whether he gets traded or not, I don't care. I don't even want to answer your question anymore. I don't care. <laughs> sure, he's angry. Oh, we finally found what fires him up. Anthony Davis <sighs> trade rumors. No, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, because, like, exactly. He, he, he was going to be all – uh, you know, he wants to be, it's all about winning championships. Right. Um, and, and so you get that. I get the, with the, the Lakers desire there, because even if you, you know, obviously we know that's not all, what it was all about, but, uh, you know, you put Anthony Davis with LeBron James, you're pretty close to, you got to fill in, uh, you fill in one more gap, uh, and you've got, you've got basically the, the core, uh, championship core to build around, uh, granted, you're not going to have a ton of salary cap space, but, uh, as we've seen in the past, most uh, they'll, you can find veteran role players for minimum contracts who will, who will take discounts to play with a team that they think can win a championship like that. So, and you know what? This is just kind of hitting me. It, if you're asking to be traded, that means that you're asking to weaken the other team by having them send players and assets back. Yep. If he if he was traded to his own team, the Pelicans. He would be on a more competitive team than three out of the four teams on that list. 
<laughs> if he just got traded back to his own team, he would be more living up to his his reason that he wants to be competitive than three of the four teams on his list. Yeah, I'm just done with it. Yeah, and then, well, and the other interesting thing too is, is like he was like, "Oh, I want to go to Milwaukee," which I think everybody's like, "Oh, Milwaukee, that's you know, that's the small market team. They were really interesting." But yeah, they've got something going on. Right. But then you look at it, it's like, well, there's an absolutely zero chance that Milwaukee could possibly exactly. trade for him. So like, <laughs> right? Okay, you know, whatever. And or, or he, well, oh, I want to go to the Clippers. So one, you're like, all right, well, that's just L.A. again. So you've got that. <laughs> you've got that angle and then but then again like the what are the clippers going to trade for anthony davis you know oh here's right. danilo gallinari and uh uh lou williams like the pelicans are not going to take that or at least they'd be crazy to take that so uh, it just seemed very uh very disingenuous and even the knicks obviously there there, there might have been a chance there and, and from what we heard the the Pelicans turned down an offer, or the rumor is at least that the Pelicans turned down an offer involving Chris Depp's Porzingis uh, for Anthony Davis. So <clears throat> we've heard, you know, potentially there could have been that piece uh, that, that that you could have built a package around coming out of the Knicks, but that's really all they had. I mean, there wasn't anything else. You know, you got Tim Hardaway Jr., who's okay, but he's expensive, and um, – yeah, I mean, I, I don't who else I can't remember who else was involved. That Courtney Lee, I mean, they did. Every, they just ended up trading for cap space, so uh, they didn't really right. have a ton, uh, a ton of assets to build a package around either. So it def- definitely, I get what you're saying. It feels kind of disingenuous because obviously, I think uh, you know if you're a Nuggets fan and you look at it, you say, well, if if it was really about winning championships, um, then 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 by far the team that has enough assets to be able to give some up. Uh, without completely gutting their team, uh, who's got a, a young core who who could be built around another star player to play next to him. I mean, like Denver makes more sense probably than any other team uh, out there, except for say for Boston, and Boston can't trade for him right now, uh, and he's already mm-hmm. said that he doesn't want to play for Boston. So, you know, like I think when you look at it from that angle, it's like, well, you know, clearly. I, it's not just about winning because if you did, then you'd be open to Denver. Now, obviously we're also very biased um, because we're Nuggets fans. So uh, it's hard not to think that uh, this is a great place to play. Um, But, but I think it, it, like we said, it shows certainly it's not just about, Oh, I just want to win championships. Um, Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't say you want to go play for the Knicks. Let's just be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, so uh, turning it back then, I guess, to the, the focus to the Denver Nuggets, Jeremy. Um, do you see them making any move whatsoever on the deadline? Yeah, I've got uh, – I spent a lot of time on it. I've even changed my mind a few times. And I've got a great package for you. All right, let's hear it. Trey Lyles for anybody. For <laughs> anybody. For <laughs> anybody. And I have, I think we'll have a few takers for that. Um, not only, so so actually, probably for a small forward. Let me get more specific. Um, actually, uh, um, there, there's a package. Uh, I was thinking Michael Beasley, but uh, Ryan Blackburn brought up. Uh, did I say Ryland? No, I said Ryan Blackburn. <laughs> the L snuck its way into the his first name. Anyway. Um, of Stanley Johnson, who we just saw tonight play pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody who could maybe help with a small forward at this point, we know we're not going to have any heroes at that position. Um, but just having a, a chest of different tools that you might be able to put in to a game to, to shore something up. Right. Um, 
And but but what I'm most interested in by not just training for Stanley Johnson, but for anybody, is by is addition by subtraction. Where, I mean, I we've we've all definitely um, been following this guy for a long time and really really love the three minutes that he played. But Jared Vanderbilt, I think I think that guy gained you know ten minutes a game, whatever Lyles is getting at his kind of backup power forward spot, um, whatever minutes happen to be there. Um, I'm a believer that Vanderbilt could do a good job with that. I don't think, I don't think the opportunity cost of what you're losing by not having Trey Lyles play there is really that much to take a swing at giving Vanderbilt ten minutes a game. Yeah, I, if they weren't, if they weren't like right in the thick of a, a you know a race basically for the for the conference title right now, uh, I would I would probably be more open to that. I just think with you just bringing it Vanderbilt in at this point doesn't make uh, a ton of sense just because they're they're like I said they're right in the thick of this uh, playoff run. But you might be right. I mean, he might be able to uh, provide them a boost. Uh, Lyles is fairly uh, redundant in terms of 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 what they've got. They got a lot of guys who can kind of give them that stretch four uh, look. So he's certainly a guy I could see them, yeah, maybe making a move from. I would think, though, if, if, if they move him, that those minutes are first probably going to go to Wancho, uh, or at least that he would have the first crack at them. I know he hasn't looked uh, as good as, as as he did at the beginning of the year, but um, and, and to Lyle's credit, actually, he's looked uh, he's looked pretty good these past couple of games. Um, but that, yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it does not outweigh uh, what has been a, a underwhelming season for him thus far. No doubt, no doubt about it. I, I wonder though, like you know, I, I was wondering. I was like, man, I don't even know if I if you, can you actually get Stanley Johnson for Trey Lyles. I don't know right. that Detroit that, would entertain that. You know, that, that would I think have a lot more to do with them looking to kind of explode their roster right. and uh, and. He, him Trey Lyles possibly being a chip for the future, like this stretch four prospect that you can sign to a cheap contract and maybe he turns into something as opposed to just holding on to a solid veteran like Stanley Johnson, who doesn't necessarily add much to the future of your, your team. But that's a very, that's a, that's a um, pitch. If I've ever pitched one before. I, was gonna so. say, I think the tough part about your pitch might be, isn't like Stanley, is Stanley Johnson younger than Trey Lyles? Is they he? Gotta be, they got to be pretty close. my mind. Fortunately, I have a computer right there in front is, of me. There it is. All right. You, you, you gotta crack. We got our crack team on. Yeah, he's twenty. Are you He's kidding? twenty-two. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> uh, fine. Fine. So that's what, I'm still gonna use that pitch. There you go. He's Get rid of that pitch. old veteran who offers no future. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it is, I guess if you, you know, I don't know how. Uh, and they're not, I, I guess, you know, Detroit's not really stacked on the wings themselves either. You need to find a team like, cause I agree it's that, that you know, a guy like a Stanley Johnson is kind of what you're looking for, but, uh, you need to find a team who's stacked on the wings, stacked with guys like that who needs to stretch for, uh, and then we can, you know, we can swap them, uh, and, and they can take one and we can take one. But, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I like, I, I just don't know what Trey, Trey Lyles value is. I, I can't imagine it's very high. Right. Uh, right now, so you're probably gonna have to take someone with equal baggage. Which a guy like Stanley Johnson, you know, he's been up and down uh, as well. So he would he would he would fit that. Um. So so maybe I uh, revert back to my my Michael Beasley. There you he go. was a guy I figure he's a big body. Um, he's the definition of inconsistent. <laughs> and and since he'd only be getting a few little um, rushes of minutes here and there, 
you know, you just see, is he on tonight or is he off? Is he, is he figuring things out or is he not? Is he wearing um, his shorts? Or- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he probably really wants to be in Colorado. Well, California, um, Colorado. That's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, you know, similar, similar, uh, legal laws <laughs> yeah. in place for, for Mr. Beasley. Uh, shouldn't cramp his lifestyle too much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be an interesting one. I think that, I don't know, man. Mike, uh, I'll tell you what, after the shorts thing, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm a fully out on Michael Beasley 100%. Like, how do you how do you almost check into a game and be like, oh, wait, I'm wearing the wrong pair of shorts? <laughs> <laughs> You've got the basketball game on your mind. I totally get it. <laughs> You're so focused. So focused. Couldn't even remember his shorts. Um I'll tell you this. I don't think. Uh, I don't think the Nuggets make. If the Nuggets make one move, I think it'll be like Tyler Lydon for cash considerations, or some right. some European prospect that nobody's ever uh, ever gonna like actually play in the NBA. Just a pure uh, pure move him just to open up the slot on the roster. Then they can they can use it for some ten day contracts if they want. Um, they, I don't know. They you know. I think it's probably too early. This is me just. Me just probably wishing more than anything, but you know, like there was a couple years back, they brought over Joffrey Laverne right after the All Star break. Um, you could open up that slot and then maybe bring over Vlatko Chanchar, but I don't, I don't know what his contract buyout or if that would even work. I think uh, you know, right. I mean, he's probably. I think they still play until like May uh, over there in the Spanish league, so uh, I don't know if that would work. But but it would make sense to me. I, obviously, Tyler Lyden's not in your future. Uh, he's another stretch four who, like we said, you got a million of them. Like I, just for the simple fact of. You know, uh, maybe just trying to not have to pay his the rest of his contract this season, having somebody else, if somebody else wants to take a flyer on him and then get his restricted rights and see, you know, or at least get him in, right. get him in their building and see for a couple months what what he's made of. If you do that and just just basically, like I said, open up the roster spot so that way you've got some some flexibility there and can have some guys on some ten days contracts who might be more of a small forward or might be, you know, right now. <laughs> Well, you better hope nobody else goes down uh, in your backcourt, or nobody, you mm-hmm. know, who else is going to play. So, uh, getting getting some getting that kind of flexibility to me would make some sense. So, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if that is that is the big move of the day. Uh, True. For the Even Nuggets. just doing him a good, um, you know, that's something that Connolly has made a name for himself in. I think um, that's a guy who came in this league probably thinking that he was going to get a real chance right. getting drafted um, in the first round. Right. And it's just clear as day that there's no room for him at all. Um, and so for him to be traded away to a team where maybe he does have a, a potential to get a solid backup spot or something like that, um, you know, just just treating him well and, and saying him on his way. Right. You never know. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, or or Tim Connolly has been a guy to know known to to get good value on uh, lower lower level uh, assets. So could he? You know, if you could maybe get a second round pick for Tyler Wyden, that, that would be uh, that would be fantastic because you, there, otherwise you're you're obviously going to get nothing for him. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, if you can get anything for him. Uh, you might as well, even if it, like I said, even if it's just getting somebody else to uh, pay the last two months of his contract for you instead, uh, would make, would make sense. And like you said, and maybe give, give Leiden a chance, especially if you can send him to a team who's, you know, um, 
not going, uh, not going anywhere. Going, uh, going to be in the lottery and maybe a team that would he would actually find some minutes with uh, as they as they kind of close out the season and just want to see what they had in them. That would be that would be best for him. Alrighty, I tell you what, I think we will uh, we will just go ahead and call it right there. So. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. I am at Zach Mikosh. Jeremy is at Jeremy Poli. We make it really easy for you guys. Uh, <laughs> it is at Pickaxe Pundits, at Denver Stiffs, at SB Nation. It's it's all it's all right in the name. Uh, <laughs> I don't get it, Zach. <laughs> Explain it. Right. right. Uh, we're also on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs over on Facebook. Make sure you're following us and giving our page a like. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Of course, that's where you get all those press conferences and other sweet uh, videos, some made by Mr. Poli himself. And uh, and then also, where else are we at, Jeremy? We, on, we already said Twitter. We said Instagram. Oh, you make sure you're following uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcasts, making sure you are following the uh, or subscribe to the podcast channel, Denver Six podcast channel. You can catch Jeremy on the dig every other Wednesday, uh, as well as some other great shows uh, on there as well. You got you got anything that you want to pitch for the upcoming the next dig episode, Jeremy? No, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think I want to start doing something where I take a few minutes just to get something off my chest that probably doesn't actually encourage anybody listening right now to want to listen more but um there's just there's sometimes we tried to make the show based around whatever uh narrative felt most relevant to the past previous two weeks and i've found that that's just not enough to really get a few things nailed home so um i've got i've got a little bit that i think i want to do on on the culture that tim conley has has developed and uh what that not only means to the Nuggets, but the whole NBA. There's there's my little pitch. There you go. All right. You, <laughs> I'm not going to explain it, but I'll leave that little morsel. You could call it uh, Poly Ponders. Ooh, that sounds ridiculously enticing. I'm uh, what can I say? I'm really good with alliteration and peas. <laughs> alliteration. <laughs> it's been yeah. You know that guy Zach. He's really good at alliteration. Strictly with peas though. <laughs> Police pundits, yes. <laughs> or, or ponders, pickets pundits. That's pretty much all I got. Uh, all right, we won't delay anymore. So make sure you guys, uh, we're doing all that subscribing, like I said, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>